particular, um, why would I go over there? And they're saying, oh, the, the view is amazing, or uh, there's somebody wonderful that you need to meet, or there's some ap- ripe apples just ready for, um, you know, for harvesting. Um, whatever it is, you know, there's something worth it. And you think, okay, no, that's, that's not a bad thing. And then you look at this wall, and you think, well, yeah, why is there a wall there? You know, why somebody built a wall around this thing, and should I really be climbing over it? And then you look at the ladder, and you think, hmm. Now, Charles is here today, um, and um, Charles and I have been up many ladders together. Well, actually, generally, he's at the bottom of the ladder holding it while I've gone up the ladder um, uh, in here. And I still remember, probably 14 years ago, I I was too young to know better, um, in about my second or third month here, um, Charles pointed out to me that there was one of those windows right up the top was slightly um, open. And he had the great idea of, wouldn't it be great if the new vicar... Um, went and closed that, lad, uh, that window. Sue will remember this as well, because she was probably in the office at the time. And um, got a ladder out. Now, that's a long way. I know it may not look a long way up, but that's a jolly long way up. And I got about two-thirds of the way up the ladder, and the ladder was doing this, okay? It was properly bowing, because I'm quite heavy, um, and it's a long way up. And, of course, all I can think about is, I never really checked this ladder. Is this ladder okay? I don't really know Charles yet. Does he know what he's doing? He's holding the bottom. But mostly, you know, is this ladder about to snap? You know, am I all right up here? Now, if you excuse that sort of lengthy flight of fancy, here's the question. You know, when it comes to the Christian faith, but actually when it comes to any worldview, there's effort involved. doesn't matter what it is you think about the world. doesn't matter what way through life you've chosen. There's effort involved. There's risk involved. If you like, there's a ladder to climb might be the ladder of career or family life or a particular set of friendships or a particular way through life. And the question is, is that ladder going to bear your weight? Is it reliable? Is it a good ladder? But also, actually, fundamentally, is it up against the right wall? And what am I trying to get to? What's the other side of that wall? And actually, every worldview and every religious faith will have a different set of answers to that question. They'll have a different answer to what's the other side of the wall? What am I trying to achieve in life? What's, what, what is the ultimate goal of living? What, what's just out of reach? Is it some sort of religious experience? Is it some sort of self-fulfillment? Is it something to do with life after death? Is it something to do with success? What am I trying to get to? They're going to have a different answer to the wall as well. What's in the way? What's stopping me getting there? You know, if you are, uh, you know... Uh, a, a mystic of some sort, actually your mystical faith will be to do with the wall, is to do with your inability to escape physical sort of reality, to, to make touch with that sort of mystical spiritual world, and there'll be all sorts of exercises to go through, which are effectively the ladder up that wall. So the question is, when it comes to the Christian faith, what are we promising? What's the other side of the wall? What is it that we're om- hoping for? And when it comes to the Christian faith, the question is, well, what do we believe gets in the way? What holds us back? What's the wall that stops us getting there? And then the biggest question of all, this ladder, this, you know, uh, offer, if you like, is it going to hold my weight? If I climb up it, am I going to get over this wall? Am I going to get to this place that I want to be? Is it worth it? And I want to suggest that the book of 1 John, which is this letter uh, written not that many decades after the life of Jesus, written by, as far as we can tell, one of Jesus' closest friends, John, 
written to a, a group of people who had been part of the, uh, the Jewish faith, who'd come to believe that Jesus was their Messiah, that this book of 1 John, this letter, describes the beauty of what lies beyond this wall. It describes the problem that we're trying to surmount, and it describes the ladder, the way that we get there. Bishop Graham started, it, started us on it last week. If you didn't listen, if you weren't here last week and you haven't listened to the sermon, can I really encourage you uh, to go and listen to the podcast? It's only 25 minutes long. Um, it's there on our SoundCloud account, or you can get it via the Church Suite app. Um, have a listen as he preaches on the first four verses of 1 John. But the heart of what he was saying, the heart of what John is saying in the letter, is to do with life. That what's on offer, what's the other side of this wall, is life. Not just the life that's in our bodies, but a life that is from eternity to eternity. A life that is a gift from God. A life that starts in God, is of God, is from God, and takes us to God. A life that is fundamentally relational and is to be found in Jesus. Life even beyond this life. And that, that life brings us joy. As John writes, we write this to make our joy complete. And actually what, we read, what we've just had read for us by Gina carries on that thought of what's the other side of the wall, what's an offer, if you like, at the heart of the Christian faith. There is this promise of what he describes as, verse 7, fellowship with one another, but even more remarkable than that, the verse before that, fellowship with God fellowship with him. Now, fellowship is one of those words that outside of church circles feels like it has pretty much no meaning at all. You, you might occasionally hear it in academic circles, getting a fellowship, belonging to some august um, academic body. Within church circles, it tends to be used as a very weak word. Um, you know, weak tea and green china, slightly chipped green china cups, being nice to each other. That sort of, sort of just sort of gently kind sort of word. Actually, in Bible terms, fellowship is an incredibly strong word. It's to do with companionship. It's to do with belonging. You went into fellowship with somebody if you went into business with them. You both throw in your lot with each other. You'd be bound together in, in, a, in a sort of a, a, a joint venture, a joint task. We are throwing ourselves together for this aim. That's fellowship. So this astonishing idea that John has is that this life in, on offer this other side of the wall is nothing less than throwing our lot in with the God of the universe, being in fellowship with God. I mean, imagine that for a moment. Here is the God who made all things, the God who made time, the God who made space, the God who made you. If that's true, if this is the God we're talking about, the one who knew you before you were born, the God who has purpose for your life, the God who has known every single person on this planet today, but also everyone who's ever lived and everyone who will live, the one in whose hands all things are held. If that's true, just go with that for a moment. What John is offering, what John is suggesting is the other side of that wall is fellowship with God personal knowledge of, friendship with, walking through life alongside, companionship with, throwing in your lot with the God of the universe. It's an astonishing offer, fellowship with God. And that fellowship with God gives us fellowship with one another. It's a huge offer. 
It's what Jesus talked about all the way through his ministry. He talked about coming that you might have a life and life in its fullness. He said, if you want to know God, if you want to have fellowship with God, get to know me. If you want to know what God says, listen to me. If you want to see what God does, see what I do. If you want to be God's friend, be my friend. I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me as I remain in you. It's an astonishing offer, but it sounds, on the face of it, nuts. I, we really have got to nail this down. The problem with the, one of the many problems with the Christian faith for most of us is that we are far too familiar with the language of religion. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's no, fine. People believe that you can sort of know God. That's nuts. If this is the God of the universe, how could we possibly know him personally? And that, of course, comes down to this wall. What is it that might hold us back? What is it that makes this faintly nuts that we might ever imagine having fellowship with God? And John cashes this out for us in quite stark terms. He uses the language of light and darkness. Verse 5, this is the message we've heard from, from God, from Jesus, and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. What John is saying is, don't take this too easily. Don't imagine that it's okay just to go, oh yeah, I know God. Get your head and heart around how astonishing that is to claim. Because if God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, don't get this wrong. The Christian faith is nothing like those belief, those, um, belief systems, those religions that believe that God is if you like a bit of both, yin and yang, darkness and light, sort of bit of this and bit of that, that without the, the darkness you couldn't have the light. Rubbish. Actually, God was before all things. Light is perfectly happy without darkness. God is whole and complete in himself. But if in God there is no light, there is no darkness, I have no business going anywhere near him. Now, we get a tiny taste of this in normal life if you ever get to meet your hero. Now, I don't know whether you've ever met your hero. And by hero, I mean somebody that maybe you have admired, semi-worshipped, sort of hero-idled since your childhood. And suddenly you get told you're going to meet them. There's a priceless bit um, of video footage from a couple of years ago about the queen, uh, of the queen visiting, I think it's a hospital, and the, the six or seven-year-old son of one of the hospital consultants is in the line. And as the queen comes along the line, this kid drops down onto the floor and literally crawls away through people's legs. Um, well, you know, the camera's here and the queen's just coming this way, and this kid obviously goes, no way, drops down and crawls as fast as they can this way. And of course it went, you know, viral. Um, but the point was, this kid probably, if you'd asked them, do you want to meet the queen? Oh, yes! And the queen's about to arrive and, get me out of here. And the interesting thing is that actually through the scriptures, you find time and again, people who get the chance to, astonishingly enough, somehow meet God, take every opportunity they can to run. And the reason is because they realize at the very deepest gut level that meeting God is no small thing. You've got uh, uh, um, Moses uh, in the wilderness, in the burning bush. He does everything he can not to get wrapped up in God's purposes because he's terrified of what it might mean to follow God back into Egypt. Um, you got Isaiah, who's in the temple. He has this vision of God, and he basically goes, help, 
Get me out of here. I'm a sinful man. I'm full of darkness, and I'm meeting the God of light. I'm going to get burned up. I can't be here. And then you get the disciples with Jesus in the boat, and he's calmed the storm, and they were terrified of the storm. And then it says when Jesus calmed the storm, that's when they're really scared because they're in the boat with the maker of heaven and earth. This is no small thing we're talking about. If God is light and in him there is no darkness at all, there is this barrier, there is this problem. The Bible calls it sin. It's a very unfashionable word, but as I keep saying, I'm sorry if you're bored of this by now, but sin is a really simple word. It's a little word with I in the middle. It's simply a description of that tendency in us to put ourselves at the center of the universe when actually it's God who is the center of the universe. That's the darkness in us. It's very simple. It's not a list of things I do wrong. We'll always find somebody who's done a bit more wrong than us on that basis. It's to do with the tendency of my heart to put me first, to put I first. And he says, verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with God yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Then verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, we can have these two different attitudes to sin. We can, on the one hand, pretend that we haven't never done anything wrong. Now, actually, if you ever feel that, just find the person who knows you best and try saying that to them and wait for the laughter to stop and then get them to describe to you, you know, anything that you've ever done wrong. Even on the basis of what other people know of us, let alone what we know of our own hearts, we know that's not true. And then, of course, the other um, thing that it brings out is, well, okay, even if I admit that I'm a sinner, even if I admit there's bits of my life that I'm not proud of, it doesn't really matter. Actually, he says it really does matter. It's like a dirty great wall between me and God. I can't simply just wander into God's presence because God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. I would love that life. I would love to know God even as he knows me. I would love to connect with the beating heart of love at the heart of this universe. But there is a wall between me and him. Now, if you are of a religious bent, you can come up with all sorts of ways in which you climb the ladder. Some people are going to offer you the ladder of good works. They're going to say to you, right, there is this wall. You're not good enough for God. You want to know God. Therefore, what you've got to do is put the ladder against the wall and you climb up rung by rung. And each rung on that ladder is about being good. So come to church. One rung up the ladder. Be generous with your money. Another rung up the ladder. Pray. Another rung up the ladder. Worship with your arms held high. Another rung up the ladder. Whatever it is, we climb up this ladder. And yet the Bible says that that is simply idiocy because this ladder simply will not get us to the top of the wall. We simply can never get to a point where we are perfect. There's always darkness in us. I mean, even actually when we've scrubbed up pretty well on the outside, we know that in our hearts there's stuff we're not proud of. Of course, other religions will say, well, it's not so much about good works, but about a sort of having the right set of mystical experiences, knowing the right stuff, sort of doing the right thing so they get us in the right frame of minds so that we make connection with God. But again, the Bible says, no, 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 no. You totally, totally underestimate the gap between you and God as, as surely as if somebody tried to use a, a, a simple slingshot to land something on the moon. And these two problems that we've got are to do with uh, that our need for forgiveness and cleanliness. First line, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In other words, this wall has two components. It has a factual component. That is, I do stuff that I need washed clean from. I need purifying. 
and it has a relational component. When I do this stuff, it breaks my relationship with God. I need forgiveness. Now, you'd need a sermon on each of those, but the bottom line is we need help. And if you want to use these two bits of picture language, we need washed clean of our past, present, and future, and we need forgiven and put back in relationship with God. No ladder's going to get you there. Nothing you do is going to help make that better, which is both bad news because we don't like being told that we're helpless, but really good news, really good news, because what it means is you haven't got to spend the rest of your life trying hard and failing. It's really good news because what John wants to go on and say is you've got it all wrong. There isn't a ladder up which you climb to get to God. There is a ladder down which God has climbed to get to you. Amongst all worldviews, amongst all world faiths, amongst any way of seeing the world and living through, the Christian faith is the only one that says God has taken it upon himself to climb over the wall, to climb down to you and to bring you purity and forgiveness. It's his ladder. He climbs down it. He scoops you up and takes you with him. It's an astonishing offer. And it's there all the way through this passage, but in particular in those first two verses of chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin... We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the toning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's take those two little bits of language. The first is this language about Jesus being the one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Now, interestingly enough, that, the, there's one single Greek word that you, gets translated in a big whole sentence. It sometimes is like that when you're translating from one language into another. And the word in Greek is the same word that gets used in the Gospel of John for the Holy Spirit. It's the parakletos. It's the called alongside one. Jesus is now described as the called alongside one who speaks to God on our defense. I don't know whether you ever remember, um, you know, at school, I'm sure you never got into trouble, but if you ever got into trouble and you had a friend in class who spoke up for you, miss or sir they didn't do it or you know it wasn't their fault there's this coming alongside and speaking to the father for us that that's what that language is about it has to do with forgiveness it has to do with rebuilding our relationship with god the picture language is that jesus is the one who speaks to god the father for us why well because he's the righteous one he's the one who lives that perfect life for you that you and I couldn't live for ourselves. And because he's lived that perfect life, he is able to speak to God for us. And God the Father says, in Jesus you are forgiven. Our relationship is mended. You get to be my friend. You get to be part of my family. And the reason that's possible is because, verse 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. A little bit earlier on in verse 7. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. In other words, Jesus both deals with our forgiveness, but also alongside it, he's the one whose blood, his death for us, washes us clean. It's not just that God somehow overlooks what we've done. It's that God in Jesus washes away our sin. He's dealt with it once and for all. 
Now, again, that's where the whole sermon series on its own. And all the language comes from God's covenant, his promises with his people in the past. That's why a little bit earlier, John talks about God is faithful and just. In other words, he's going to keep his promises, keep his covenant, do what he's promised he's going to do. And in Jesus, he's come down the ladder and provided for your forgiveness and your purity. And the beautiful thing at the heart of it is that what's required of you and what's required of me is not a climbing up the ladder to God. Not being good enough, religious enough, nice enough, holy enough, clever enough, prayerful enough, spiritual enough. What's required is very simply reality. He says, if we confess our sin. In other words, if we say to Jesus, who comes down the ladder to us and says, need a hand? If we say, yeah, I do actually, then he's going to scoop us up, carry us with him to the Father, speak to the Father on our behalf, and wash us clean by his death and in his resurrection. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the love of God. It is unlike stands in contrast to, uniquely different from any other way of seeing the world in any other religion you will ever find. And it sounds utterly too good to be true that the God of the universe in Jesus would come and rescue us rather than waiting for us to rescue ourselves. But it's a pretty stark choice. It basically says to you and it says to me, you have got a choice. Are you going to spend your life climbing a ladder that will get you nowhere? Or are you going to stand at the foot of that ladder and allow yourself to be picked and carried, cleaned and forgiven? It's either true or it's not true. It's either the best thing you've ever heard or it's completely, utterly nuts. It's nowhere in between. It's one of the reasons we do the Alpha Course, because we want to give everybody that could possibly take it the opportunity to decide for themselves. Is this true? Is this offer of God in Jesus for me true? Or do I need to get back on that ladder? The ladder of career, the ladder of family, the ladder of friendship, the ladder of, ladder of money, of success, of trying to be a good person. Or do I find he's come down the ladder to rescue me? If you're not sure, come and do Alpha. If you're not sure, find out. If you're not sure, don't just leave it for another year, another 10 years. You might have wasted a lot of effort climbing the ladder in the meantime. Let's pray together. It might be this morning that you're somebody that knows that Jesus has died for you, has risen for you, that you know yourself to be carried by him into God the Father's presence. Well, today's a good day for simply saying thank you. Today's a good day for saying sorry for the times that we try and climb that ladder ourselves or sorry for those times that we pretend like we don't have any sin. Today's a good day for saying thank you and a good day for asking him to pass on this good news through us, through our lives. So if that's you, why don't you just in your heart say thank you to the God who's come and met you in Jesus. But it might be that you're not sure. Or it might be that you just know that you're climbing a ladder and you're hoping it's going to get you somewhere. You're hoping that there's a life on the other side of it. You're hoping it isn't a waste of time. 
Well, I wonder whether today is a day you might decide to at least stop for a moment and to ask those big questions. Is Jesus who he claimed to be? Is he the light of God come into this world? Is he the one in whom God is giving everything for me? Could it be true that there's a different ladder to be climbed, held and carried by the one who climbed down it to be with me? Maybe you're ready. Maybe you're ready even today to say, yes, I need your help, Jesus. If that's you, I'm just going to pray. Just a a very simple prayer. Why don't you, if you'd like to, just pray this quietly in your heart. If If you're not absolutely sure yet, what do you lose? Speak to the God who may well be there. Speak to the one who in Jesus has come to live and die for you. Here's a prayer that you might want to pray, just quietly in your heart. Jesus, you know the ladder that I've been climbing and you know that that wall of sin gets in my way. I'm sorry that so often I put I at the center of the universe. I thank you that in Jesus you've climbed down to rescue me, to wash me clean and to forgive me. I say yes to you. And as I find myself loved, Help me to love you back in the power of your Holy Spirit that the world might see your love in me and through me, now and always. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, or if you're interested in finding out more, uh, please do have a chat with me. Have a chat with Rachel, have a chat with Nick afterwards. Um, And let's look forward to discovering more of God's love for us in this amazing letter of 1 John. Read ahead. It's a wonderful letter we're going to explore together over the next few weeks.